Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from I Could Never Believe in a God Who, our series in which we examine and respond to serious objections to Christianity. Here is Pastor Nick. Well, welcome again to Whitefields Community Church. We're so glad you're here with us. Would you please open with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. So 1 Peter is towards the end of your New Testament. 1 Peter, and we're going to be in chapter 2. So 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to begin this morning by reading our text. So put away all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy, uh, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. For it stands in Scripture... Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Behold, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this good news that this, this uh, text reminds us of, Lord, of what you've done for us. Lord, may we look to you, and may we make you the cornerstone of our lives. Lord, may we build our lives upon you. And Lord, we pray that this morning as we study your word, Lord, would you instruct us, would you teach us, Lord, in some ways we know that we might need to be challenged, Lord, would you challenge us, would you correct us, and may we receive everything that your word has to say to us this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. We're currently in a series called I Could Never Believe in a God Who, and for eight weeks what we're doing is we're answering that, we're finishing that sentence. And what we did is a couple months ago, we put out a poll and we asked people to help us uh, fill out this, finish this sentence. How would you or other people you know finish that sentence? I could never believe in a God who. And what we did is we took that information. We looked at other studies as well, bigger studies too. And we, we identified eight things that people say create the biggest hurdles for them when it comes to embracing Christianity and really believing the gospel and following Jesus. And, and that's what we're doing these eight weeks is we're addressing these issues head on. And there's two reasons we want to do that. Number one, we want to do that because our goal is that we want to remove some of those barriers that keep people from really putting their faith 
in Jesus, wholeheartedly embracing the gospel. You see, the Bible says that what you believe absolutely matters. And so we want to help people move from doubt and unbelief to faith and belief. So that's one of the things we're trying to do in this series is maybe address some of these things. Hopefully we can remove some of these barriers and help people move into a deeper faith or a richer and and more committed faith. The other goal here is to equip you because we know that you, as you leave here, you're going to go and you're going to talk to family members and friends and neighbors and coworkers, And a lot of them are dealing with these very issues. These are the things that they say are hurdles for them, either in believing Christianity at all or in going deeper and really embracing the, the gospel wholeheartedly. And so we want to equip you to be able to talk to them and have some tools in your tool belt to be able to say, well, actually, think about this and consider this. And hopefully, you, God will use you to help them move from doubt and unbelief to faith and belief. You know, one of the things that, uh, when it comes to Christianity, one of, the, one of the biggest struggles that people have is they say, I could never believe in a God who creates hateful and hypocritical followers. Have you guys ever heard that one? I could never believe in a God who creates hateful and hypocritical followers. You know, I'll tell you a story. A few years ago, when I, when I lived in Hungary before I moved to the U.S., um, uh, I, was, I came back to Colorado to attend the wedding of a friend of mine from high school. He was getting married, and I came for just a week. And so Rosemary and the kids remained back home in Hungary, and I came uh, by myself to this wedding. So because I was at this wedding by myself, they seated me at a table with uh, some single men. So I got to talking to the guys at my table, and we were having a nice time. We got to talking. They asked me, you know, what do you do? And I said, oh, I live in Hungary. Why, why do you live in Hungary? Well, I'm a pastor. And so, it, you know, it came up in the conversation that I was a pastor, and as soon as uh, they found out I was a pastor, they told me something about themselves, and that's that they were gay. And uh, I could tell, as soon as they told me this, they were waiting to see how I would react, right? Would my demeanor change? Would I stop being friendly? Would I disengage in conversation with them? You see, these guys had certain assumptions about how Christians are, and they wondered if I would live up to those expectations. Um, their assumption was that Christians don't like people like them. Now, their assumption was that, you know, Christians, they talk a lot about loving people, but when it comes to people like them, Christians have anything but love. And so, anyway, we continued talking, and again, after they found out that I was a pastor and they told me they were gay, they went on to tell me a story. And a few years, this this was a story, a few years earlier, and some of you are going to remember this because it was a local story here in our news here in Colorado. But a few years ago, a well-known pastor from Colorado Springs, it's about 10 years ago now, he got caught in Denver buying meth and visiting male prostitutes. And what made it worse is that this particular pastor, he was really well-known, you know, he had been on like national news media outlets and stuff like this, you know, and, and his big thing was he was really outspoken against, guess what, drugs and homosexuality, right? That's what he railed against. That's what he was famous for. And then this guy gets caught doing the very things that he preached so heartily against as a preacher. Hypocrisy, right? I mean, that's what it is. That's hypocrisy. And these guys I was sitting with at this wedding, they were actually friends with the guy that the pastor had a relationship with, and it actually happened in the building that they lived in in Denver. And they told me, you know, they were glad to see this guy get busted because in their opinion... This is what Christianity is, right? It's just a bunch of judgmental people who themselves are actually no different than anybody else. They're, and that, therefore, they're hypocrites. 
And, and they would say, how are we supposed to take Christianity seriously if this is what Christians are like, especially if this is what their leaders are like? You know, why would we want anything to do with Christianity if it's full of hateful, judgmental, hypocritical people? See, these guys that I met at this wedding, I'll tell you this, they are not alone in feeling this way, right? And you, you might already know that. Let me read you a couple of quotes that kind of illustrate this point. Friedrich Nietzsche, you ever heard of him? He's a German philosopher. He's the guy who famously said, God is dead and we have killed him. Here's what Friedrich Nietzsche said. Uh, and by the way, Nietzsche was the son of a Lutheran pastor who died when he was five years old. But here's what Friedrich Nietzsche said about Christians. He said, I will believe in their redeemer when Christians look a little bit more like the redeemed. One person who responded to a, a poll similar to ours said this, how can so much judgment and hate come from a religion which is supposed to be based on love? Uh, I heard someone else recently ask this question. Why are non-Christians sometimes better moral people than Christians? Brendan Manning, uh, an author, he, he said this. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. See, we live in an age, right? It's a very pragmatic age. And we live in an age where people think, look, if something's true, then it will work. And conversely, if something doesn't work, then they make this conclusion. If something doesn't work, well, then it must not be true. And so when people see Christians behaving badly, some of them react by saying this very thing. They say, if these are the kinds of people that Christianity creates, then there must be something fundamentally wrong and broken with Christianity itself. A large research project was done back in 2007 by the Barna Research Group in which they asked a large amount of people who are not Christians, they asked them why they rejected Christianity. And the, the responses were really surprising for a lot of church leaders because here's what came back from this poll. That the majority of people who rejected Christianity said they didn't do it for evidential reasons. Meaning it wasn't because they believe like science discredits God. It wasn't because they believe that you can't trust the Bible. The, the great majority of people who rejected Christianity said that they rejected it for personal reasons. Personal reasons. In other words, they've been hurt by Christians in the past. So they felt judged by Christians. Or they had a bad experience with a Christian leader. Or they've seen Christians act in a way that's unloving or unkind or unethical or just plain wrong. And they got to the point where they said this. They said, if that's what Christians are like, then I don't want to be one. I don't want anything to do with that. And if that's you today, I just want to begin this morning by saying this. I, let me just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you've been hurt. I'm sorry that those things have happened to you. I'm sorry that you've been let down. And I gotta tell you on a personal level, and if you spend any amount of time in church, it's really, you know, it will happen to you. It's unavoidable. I, I'll tell you, I've been hurt by other Christians deeply. And, and, and you know, honestly, like, I've been stabbed in the back. I've even been stabbed in the front, right? Like, I've been let down. I've been betrayed. I've been hurt deeply. But I haven't given up on Jesus, and, I, and here's the other thing. I haven't given up on the church. That's what a lot of people say. Well, I haven't given up on Jesus. I just don't want anything to do with the church. But I'm here to tell you, no. And we're gonna see that those two go together. See, I haven't given up on Jesus and I haven't given up on the church. And my hope is that as we talk about this today, I can convince you that you should not allow the bad behavior of some Christians to be a barrier for you when it comes to embracing Christianity and, being, uh, and embracing the gospel and being a Christian. 
Hey, Pastor Nick here. Are you looking for a resource to help you answer some of the most difficult questions about God in the Bible? Then we've got good news for you. I've written a book called The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity. In this book, I deal directly with some of the biggest questions people struggle with, such as how a loving God can allow innocent people to suffer, or whether God condoned genocide in the Old Testament, or whether the Bible encourages the suppression of women and minorities? Does the Bible really say that some kinds of love are wrong? And is there actual proof that God exists and that the Bible is trustworthy? I address these topics and more in this book, which is a great resource for anyone who wrestles with doubts or who has concerns about these topics. And it's a great resource for those who want to help others who have questions about these topics. So to purchase this book, search for The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity, wherever books are sold, or visit nickkady.org. And to celebrate the release of this book, we are offering a free copy of the book as a gift to any of our listeners who make a donation of any amount to support Be Set Free Radio at besetfreeradio.com. And now back to today's message. First thing I want to talk to you about is this. There are actually two different kinds of hypocrites. Do you know that? And actually the Bible deals with these two different kinds of hypocrites differently and separately. Jesus speaks to these two kinds of hypocrisy in very different ways. Now, first of all, the word hypocrite comes from the Greek word, which literally means actor. It's somebody who's pretending to be something they are not. That's what it means to be a hypocrite. Okay, but again, there are two types of hypocrites. Number one, the, the first type of hypocrite are people who call themselves Christians when in fact they are not actually Christians. Secondly, you have people who are true disciples of Jesus, but sometimes they fall short of what Jesus called them to be and called them to do. Now, this might be a newsflash for some of you, but let's talk about that first group, people who claim to be Christians, but in fact they are not. 70% of people in the United States claim to be Christian, 70%. But on average, only about 25% of the population attends church services regularly. Now, that percentage is actually lower in this part of Colorado than in other parts of Colorado, like Colorado Springs. You know, Colorado, by the way, has the sixth lowest attendance, uh, church attendance rate in the United States. Now, again, I understand that going to church doesn't automatically make you a Christian. In fact, that's my very point. But this is a very telling statistic because here's what it reflects. It reflects that there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, who self-identify as Christians, but they're not actively worshiping or following Jesus. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus told us, he said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, not every person who, call, who goes to church, not every person who calls himself a Christian is actually a Christian. And that's why the Bible encourages us to examine ourselves to make sure that we are indeed in the faith. The Bible actually reserves, Jesus as well, reserved his harshest words for these kinds of hypocrites. And, and that wasn't just to slam them. It was to warn them. It was to call them, to get their attention, to wake them up. In Matthew chapter 23, in fact, Jesus goes on and he used the word hypocrite a lot. And he's speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says over and over, you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. 
He said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but inside it's only death. In another place, he says, scribes and hypocrites, not only are you not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but you, by your behavior, you are preventing other people from entering into the kingdom of heaven. See, when it comes to this group, this first group, it's really not fair to judge all of Christianity based on the behavior of people who aren't actually following Jesus. I think everybody would agree with that. So let's, let's move on. That's the first kind of hypocrite. The second kind of hypocrite is the person who is a true follower of Jesus and is trying, you know, to be a disciple of Jesus, but sometimes they fail to live up to Jesus' standards. Now, that shouldn't be very surprising that people would fall short of Jesus' standards when you consider the fact of what Jesus' standard is. Like, do you know what Jesus' standard is? Here's what it is perfection. Like that's it. It's perfection. You might say, well, wait a second. Nobody's perfect, right? Agreed. I agree with you. Well, you say, well, you know, it's not like Jesus expects us to be perfect. Like he doesn't tell us you have to be perfect. No, actually, that is literally what he said. Like, let me show you in his own words. Here's what Jesus said. Therefore, you must be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. So who said that? Jesus to his disciples. That is the standard that Jesus gave. And so with a standard that high, it's not surprising that even the most devout, sincere, devoted Christians fall short of that standard all the time. Does that make them hypocrites? Well, in a way, yes, it does, right? Why? Because they are not living up to the standard which they themselves espouse, right? They're not living up to their own standard. They are not practicing what they preach. Guys, I'm guilty of that. I'm guessing that you are too. I know that I would say every single Christian in the world is guilty of that. But in another way, this is different than the other kind of hypocrisy that we're talking about. And Jesus actually spoke and reacted to this kind of hypocrisy differently than he did to the other kind. See, this person is the person who isn't stubbornly proud, but they're humbly repentant. So we can see some examples of this in the Bible. Let me just give you a few. Peter, right, one of Jesus' main disciples. On the night when Jesus was arrested, what does Peter do? He's in the garden. He takes out a sword. Like, why does he have a sword in the first place, right? But he takes out his sword, and he attacks this dude and cuts off his ear. Now, I always picture, how does that happen? Like, was he swinging for his head and just barely missed, like chopping him right in half, right? Or did he, like, wrestle the guy to the ground and slice his ear off? I kind of think it was the latter, but I don't know. Either way, he cuts this dude's ear off. You know, and you look at that and you say, so typical, right? This is Christians. It follows Jesus, who's all about like loving your enemies and blessing those who persecute you. But look how they act, right? The Jesus, it's all just a bunch of talk. But when it really comes down to it, they're just violent. They're spiteful. They're just like everybody else. What a hypocrite. But that's not how Jesus reacted to Peter, is it? How did Jesus respond to Peter? First, he healed the, the official's ear. And then he told Peter, Pete, bro. Like, that's just not how we do things. That's not what we're about. In other words, he taught him and he corrected him. Another time, Jesus and his disciples, they went into a particular village. And Jesus and his disciples, they went in. They're trying to gather people, trying to share with them the gospel of the kingdom. And the people there disrespected Jesus. And so his disciples are like, what, what is this, right? You're the Messiah. You're like the Lord. And you come into this town and people disrespect you. And these disciples said, Jesus, you know what you should do, Jesus? You should teach these guys a lesson. You should call down fire from heaven and you should burn these guys so they never do that again. And again, 
what do we look at? We say, oh, look, here we go again. Hypocrisy, right? Like these guys follow Jesus who's all about love, and here they are. They're just spiteful. They're angry people, right? Hypocrites. But that's not how Jesus responded. Again, how did Jesus respond to their attitude and their behavior, which was clearly wrong? Here's what he did. He gently and graciously corrected them and taught them. And here's what I want to tell you. If Jesus showed grace and patience to his followers when they messed up, maybe we should too. Amen? Like, maybe we should too. Like, Jesus had no patience for proud, condescending hypocrites, but he had tons of patience and tons of grace for those who humbly and sincerely sought to follow him, but they made some mistakes along the way. And I would just challenge somebody who says, you know, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, they're all judgmental. I just want you to stop and think about that phrase and really think about this. Um, Isn't that itself a hypocritical, judgmental statement? Really, it's hypocritical because you're judging people, you're judging an entire group of people based on the behavior of a few or even your fear of how they might behave. See, instead, wouldn't it be fair instead to judge Christianity not on the basis of some Christians who have dropped the ball, but to judge Christianity based on what Jesus taught and how Jesus lived. I like this quote from Leo Tolstoy, the Russian writer, the writer of War and Peace. Here's what he said. He said, attack me rather than the path I follow. Attack me. He says, if I know the way home, but I'm walking along it drunkenly, is it any less the right way even if I'm staggering along it from side to side? See, when it comes to Christianity, there are people who are honestly trying to follow Jesus who are at different stages of growth. And Jesus gave his disciples grace and patience and instruction as they grew and made mistakes along the way. And guys, we would do well to do the same, to show grace and patience to others as well as they grow and make mistakes along the way. In our text that we read earlier, I want to I go through it. We're going to go through it verse by verse. And here's the deal. Peter is writing um, to this second group of hypocrites that we've talked about, right? Those who are sincerely seeking to follow Jesus but sometimes fall short. And there are three things that I want to walk you through in this passage which speak to this topic of hypocrisy. Number one, there's a leak in the boat Number two, there's a chisel in the quarry. And number three, there's a stone that's different from the others. There's a leak in the boat. There's a chisel in the quarry. There's a stone that's different from the others. Let's begin by talking about this first point. Look at how Peter begins this section. He says, put away all malice and deceit, hypocrisy and envy and slander. Peter's writing to Christians, devoted Christians, and he's telling them, stop being hypocritical. Stop being malicious, stop being envious, stop being slanderous. And he says down in verse 12, why? He says, let your conduct in front of Gentiles or non-believers be good so that they'll have nothing to accuse you of, right? I love this though because Peter doesn't just tell them to stop being hypocritical. He actually tells them how to stop being hypocritical. He doesn't just diagnose them. He gives them a prescription. Look at verse two. Here's a prescription. He says, like newborn infants, Crave the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into salvation. What is pure spiritual milk? Well, in Hebrews chapter 5, the writer to Hebrews uses almost an identical phrase about spiritual milk. And he uses it to describe the basic fundamental teachings of Christianity. So we can say this. Refer, what this is referring to, spiritual milk, is referring to the basics of the Christian gospel. And what are the basics of the Christian gospel? It's all about how we have sinned. We've fallen short of God's perfect standard. Therefore, we deserve God's judgment for what we've done. 
but God, those glorious words, but God, because he loves you so much, he came to us, he became one of us, and he took the judgment for your sins so that you could be forgiven and redeemed. And Peter is saying that simple message is what you need to hear over and over again in order to grow in maturity. The way you grow is by always coming back to the gospel, being reminded of God's love and your sin and what Jesus did for you. When you do that, it makes you, guess what? It makes you a humble, soft person. It makes you thankful. It makes you confident in God's love. And those things, when you have them, they absolutely change the way that you relate to other people. When you, when you realize that you're humble, you're a sinner, you don't think of yourself as better than other people. Instead, you're thankful for what you've received. You're a thankful person. And you don't compete with other people to prove yourself because you're so secure in God's love for you. See, that's why we take communion here every Sunday. That's why when we study the Bible, you know, apart from this series, we usually go verse by verse through entire books of the Bible. Why? Because we want that pure spiritual milk so that we can grow. You know, if someone's been a Christian for a long time, that doesn't automatically make them mature. You know that, right? We've all got room for growth, every single one of us. And the way we grow is by coming to the word of God and receiving what it has to say to us and letting it transform our hearts and our minds. You see, here's the deal. We're all in the same boat and there's a leak in the boat, right? We're all in the same boat and there's a leak in the boat. Not every single one of us. Not a single person in the world lives up to even their own moral standards. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com. Thank you.